0: it is the promises of God that revive us it is the promises of God that gives us something to hang on to and i know that god is doing something in our house we have been seeing you may sit down if you've experienced some kind of miracle something is going on in life will you just stand up right now something relevant something curt something god has been doing in your life see breakthroughs are happening something is going on in this church right now god is moving god's been hearing our prayers There are breakthroughs coming. There are things to contend with. You know what? When God comes into our life through Jesus Christ, he initiates new life in our spirit. He initiates the possibility for more impossible things to happen. God is a God of the impossible. God is a God who gives promises because he knows we are living in a broken world. We are living in opposition to God in his world. God gives us promises, and immediately everything Uh, that Satan can do, comes against that promise, to steal that promise, but God is so happy when all of our senses tell us the promise is not coming. God is so happy. God is not worried because when God gives a promise, it will come to pass. And the darker it looks, the harder it looks, the more sure it is that the promise is going to come to pass. And it's not dependent upon us. It's dependent on God and his word. It's dependent on God and what he said when he said that word and when he gave it to us. I just want us all to be excited to be what, what God's going to do. I was kind of digging in some of my old notes today, uh, yesterday, this, this, this last couple of days, and I just um, was looking at a, a promise, some promises we had in our prophetic conference in 2015. This next week is going to be four years since those words were said. There's an excitement when you hear a prophetic word, when you're in a prophetic conference and you get up, and uh, you present yourself to hear a word from God, and we bring in these prophets that are, have character, and they have renown, they're respected, and uh, they say something over you, and you don't even know them. They don't know you, and yet when they speak, it, the words that they say resonates in your spirit because something God is awakening inside. Well, there's something that happened four years ago, and we had some breakthroughs this year. And something that Bob McGregor said to us he said, we pray a bridge-building spirit over this house. Building bridges to the community. And you know, in years past, we were so involved and had been so involved at times in different aspects with our county, <clears throat> at the jail, uh, men's home, women's home, uh, Dory working at the uh, at the hospital, in a hospice, and we just had our fingers in so many different areas in our community. And those things we've seen fulfilled over the years. But the next part, is something that uh, has been kind of a long time coming, building bridges to other churches. I know if you have done that, I I don't know if you've done that yet, Bob said. I just see churches coming together here for worship nights and prayer. Well, you know, in February, we had our our first kind of connection where we were in other churches and other churches came here. And we had a few people from different churches here on that night. But in that place where it said, just to worship together and pray for the city. And he said, and we thank God, we thank you, Lord. It might start with two or three, but let it start, Lord. Let it start. Again, this was four years ago. You know, we look at words, we wonder about words, we uh, wait for God to fulfill them. We thank you, God, that you have a plan to put Hollister on the map. I said this in the pre-service prayer this morning, but when David Patterson was here, I think it was at our anniversary, our 10th year anniversary, David Patterson prophesied that there was going to be something going on in Hollister and San Benito County that was going to be so spiritual, it was going to be such a move of God that people in other communities were going to wonder, what is going on in Hollister? Okay, four years ago, four years ago, Bob McGregor said this, put Hollister on the map. Hollister is going to be on the map as a place just to, kind of a forgotten place in some ways, a place just off the beat in that particular obscure in central California. But Lord, that's what you major in. You major in the cities like Nazareth and Bethlehem. He came to Bethsaida and he came to Capernaum. Jesus come to this place Come to Hollister. Let it be in the papers. We hear of this community where Jesus has come. We are believing that because the Lord, you said for us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So bring your kingdom here, Lord, and let it start here in the name of Jesus. You know, a few years ago when we started our remodel over here, and uh, it was Dory's heart. She's kind of more like the, the visionary, kind of like that that, Pastor promoting a lot of things in our church. I'm more like the stable intercessor, digging in the word, trying to get food for you. But she had a vision that we needed to have our area look like have excellence, have something that's more modern and up to date. And so we worked, you know, people have been working and giving and everything else. And, you know, we saw a project come to close at just the end of this last year. But What that was about, she felt in her spirit that we were going to be opening our doors. And we know we opened our doors to um, the Worthy Conference, and many of the women were partakers in that, and God really moved it. It brought brought some of that unity of some of that bridge building that we've experienced and that God's been saying in His Word. And then we've been trying to have different events and uh, be open to the community. And, you know, sometimes people think people have been afraid, too, sometimes to intermix the churches because people are afraid people are going to leave your church and go somewhere else. Well, that's not our worry. Our heart is about the kingdom of God. And I love something that uh, really Matt uh, Kirkland, who is isn't over—he's a campus pastor of South Valley down the road here, I love how he opened up when he started speaking on, on that Friday, Good Friday night. He said, this is not about, he mentioned our church and the different churches that were there. He said, this is about the kingdom of God. And that is so in the spirit of what we feel like on our hearts that it's about building the kingdom of God in Hollister and doing whatever we need to do to see the prophetic presence of God bring healing to families and healing in people's lives, that people would experience everything that God has for them and everything that Satan is trying to steal from people in our day and age by depression and fear we sang about, by addiction, uh, by brokenness of families, brokenness in marriages, that all the promises have been ripped off from people, that it is the kingdom of God that comes to restore us to our original place and position with God in that freedom and that joy that is in Jesus Christ. So that's just a little intro for you. The title of my message today is Alone, Waiting for the Promise. As much as we can be in the midst of our families and friends, there are times as we are each called to be followers of Jesus that we're alone and we're waiting for the promise. There's something God does in our heart when we accept him. He initiates something that is so much bigger than ourselves. And we try with our little understanding to try to grasp what God's doing, to grasp uh, what this means when we ask Jesus Christ to come into our life. And sometimes we go a long time after receiving Jesus, and we don't feel like anything's happening. But then, like Dory said about someone in this congregation today, all of a sudden, God begins to move. God begins to put his finger on something. That seed is the greatest seed that is planted when you receive the message of the gospel, and it comes planted into your heart. And it may seem dormant. You may find yourself getting angry at times about God. What did I do? I was talking to someone the other day. I've been working with, and I am so angry that I'm a Christian. And I just want to stop. I almost laughed at him, but he was so angry I didn't. You're hooked. How can you get away? You've met the master. He broke into your life. You can't escape it. And yes, it's frustrating because sometimes we can't change the things we want to change and we're in this awesome turmoil and frustration, but it is the power of God that we can't go back to what we've done and yet we're not as sure where we're at now and we're kind of afraid what's going to happen in the future, but it's the work of the Spirit going on in our life because there's a promise because the promise keeper has deposited himself in our life and he is wanting to tell us that he's going to make a beautiful vessel out of us he's going to bring beautiful gifts up and through our lives no matter how broken in fact the more broken we are the greater potential we have to see god do something miraculous but alone throughout history people have felt alone have you ever felt alone i felt alone i remember just being sent here to start the church man i'm just a working person i don't know how to be a pastor i don't know how to i don't know how to start a church Feeling alone. Why did you do this to me, God? Why did you send me out here? The definition of aloneness having no one else present, being solitary. Some of the characters we're going to talk about today were stripped of their dignity, forsaken by family and friends, broken by loss and by death, by poverty and persecution, and betrayed by those closest to them. But even as they were alone, they waited for the promise of God. God's promises mess with life now. God's promises mess with life in the moment. I thought it was pretty good the way I had it. I was an elder. I was pastoring people. I didn't have the full responsibility of a church. I worked seven days a week working between working at home and doing church work. But it was a whole lot easier, I think, than being full responsibility and being a pastor. And I think that's what happened to me when I said yes and we were coming to start a church. It started messing with me because we commit ourselves to God and we receive the promise, but he keeps asking from us something more that we, that we feel comfortable giving. But as we keep saying yes, we find that he unfolds the grace to participate in him fulfilling promises that he puts in our heart. God's promises interrupt my plans while I'm offering something much more. I can remember my favorite times when I'd leave work, especially after being there almost 30 years. I had five weeks vacation plus 11 normal days, plus I could earn two extra days a year. And so I remember like coming home at Christmas time, stretching out, having 21 days off at Christmas. I remember my favorite day of the year was driving off from work on that last day I worked. I loved that 20-minute drive down the mountain, through the woods and everything. It was my favorite moment. I was never going to have those moments again. But there was something deeper that God had put in my heart about a promise in serving him, coming down here to Hollister. Another thing about alone and waiting for the promise is the word waiting. The definition from the web is the action of staying where one is or delaying action until a particular time or until something else happens. And that's the hardest thing for us as believers, as we wait for the promise of God, is waiting. Sometimes when we we receive a promise from God, yes, it's what I need right now. I was talking to David Castration at one time, and he was saying, we were talking about how different churches, nowadays churches get planted by teams. There's a team gets sent out. We were talking about our experience we got sent out with not just a team, but a couple people. There wasn't this team formed that was so solid that just it launches. Now they launch a church, and boom, there's 100 people right away. But we were from the old school where a couple gets sent out, and a couple of people come with you, and you start struggling to come together. And we have to wait as God develops what he wants to develop in, in building a church or bringing a promise to pass. You know, we couple weeks ago we took a few days and went down and spent uh, time with my son and his wife and we took an extra two days we went over and stayed in Coronado and wherever I go I like to get up early and walk and you may have come across these crosswalks where there's this robot says wait 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 I came up to the street of Orange and I was down in in uh, Coronado Orange wait on Orange wait 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 it got me kind of irritated. Come on, I'm not running the, running the crosswalk sign. <laughs> Give me a break. But that thing about wait, you know what, it stings us. It stings us in our heart because life is going fast. And if you have any age on top of you, man, life is rolling by. Life is rolling by. And wait, wait, God, the older you get, you know how quicker time passes. No, years go by now for me, they seem like a couple of months. You know, look, at in, a, in another month, we're going to be halfway done with 2019. And so wait, it's, a, it's something that comes against us as we want what God has for us, but we're forced to wait until he comes and brings it to pass. The promise of new life in the spirit. Forgiveness of sin and eternity in heaven caused me, to, caused me conflict now because I must wait as God unfolds his, his plan for me. Sometimes also we come to uh, experience the areas of control that we try to exert over God and over his promises. How many times have we tried to make something happen faster that we have to really wait for God, who is the author of that promise and the one that fulfills that promise? But really sometimes in doing everything we can, we kind of unload ourselves and get down to our limits, or we get down to our powerlessness. The definition of promise is to assure someone that one will definitely what someone will definitely do, give or arrange something, to undertake, guarantee, or declare that something will happen. And I don't know about you, but have you ever had people promise you something and they didn't deliver? That can really mess with us when it comes to God. Especially if you had a parent that promised you something. And wasn't able to bring it about. I've heard stories of people who have had uh, come from divorced homes where maybe the dad promised they'd come and pick them up and never would show up. And so, as they come into their Christian experience, they have a hard time understanding who God is as a father because they've had some experiences that affect what they would what they would think about someone who promises something. But God, it says that He cannot lie. That he promised when he when he swore an oath he swore by himself, because he is a God who keeps his word. Our key verse for today is uh, 2 Peter 1:4. Through these, which is God's divine nature and His knowledge, God has given us His very great and precious promises, so that through them they may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world through lust. So we receive that born-again experience, and Jesus is living inside of us. And do you ever stop and think about it, that God's divine nature is growing and developing in you? That's pretty sobering when you think about it. God himself is living inside of me, and he's developing in me his presence, and he's developing this new person that I am and to be. And to me, he's bringing promises. I think one of the most powerful thing about being born again is having our spirit awakened to hear the voice of God. And it's through our spirit that we discern and receive and hear the promises of God that totally blow us away in our mind because they're so opposite of what we could figure out or think to happen. Have you ever had that happen where God just says something to you and it's like, "Whoa, Where did that come from?" You write it down, hopefully, put it in your uh, notebook, put it in your journal. And you just kind of pray over it or watch it or you see how God is going gonna, is gonna to make it come to pass. I want to talk about Abraham for a moment. Abraham, Hebrews 11, 12, a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead. A nation with so many people that like the stars of the sky and the sand of the seashore, there was no way to count them. And we know his story. We know that he went 24 years Waiting for that promise, he was an old man when he got that promise, and he was uh, he was ninety nine when the promise hadn't come, and there was no way he could fulfill it. There's no way he could have a child, him and Sarah. I think this is where we get angry sometimes at the promises, when we feel as good as dead, or we feel that that promise is as good as dead to us. And it is in those moments that really there are key moments in in seeing God's promise come to pass. Abram, who was as good as dead. Are you in that place right now? Is there a promise that's been given to you and you feel like, I'm as good as dead. I cannot make this thing come to pass. I cannot get it to happen. And yet I'm in a place where I need it to happen. You need to just be open. Just be in that place even today to be open to receive that miracle, to receive that next thing that God's going to do, to receive the answer to that promise. What about Joseph, connected by the promise of God through Abraham? Again, Joseph was a descendant of what was going to happen through the blessing of God that came through Isaac, that son that was given to Abraham after he had waited a whole long time. In Genesis 37, 2-4, this is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flock and he worked for his half-brother's the son of his father's wives, Bilhah and Sibla. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of the other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. Joseph gets a prophetic promise. God speaks a promise to Joseph. In Genesis 37, 5-9, one night Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field, tying bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed before mine. His brothers responded, So you think you will be our king? Do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. I know sometimes it's hard when you get a dream, you get some kind of prophetic thing, and the people around you don't like you. Or you accept Christ and you start having opposition because you started living for Jesus, living with that promise. Soon Joseph had another dream, and again he told his brothers about it. Listen, I've had another dream, he said. Can you imagine how excited they were to hear this? (laughs) The sun, moon, and 11 stars bowed down before me. (laughs) Wow. What about contrary circumstances to the promise? Or are they really contrary? As we read the stories in the Bible and as we look at the process that God works in our life to bring forth his promises we have to really should become comfortable when anything comes against the promise when any contrary feelings or circumstances or oppositions come even demonic opposition because it just means that they're going to get knocked over and God's going to do a greater miracle when that promise comes to pass we know the story in genesis 18 through 20 that they were upset with Joseph, and so they captured him. They, they decided to kill him. They threw him in that pit. And then in uh, Genesis 37, 21 through 22, God intervened so that they don't kill Joseph because God is working, and everything that's going on is all part of the plan to bring Joseph into that place of fulfillment of those promises in that place that Reuben intervenes and rescues him and sticks him in that pit. Joseph and loss. There's loss on the way to the promises. You can expect losses when you're in the will of God and you know God has given you promises. And we don't like loss. Our society doesn't promote loss. They don't advertise loss. They only out- tell us good things and everything's going to be fine and you deserve. But you and I know in the real life, loss has come our way setbacks things that cause us pain and hurt and cause us even to want to doubt god and doubt the promise but it's part of our spiritual life it's something that actually causes us to grow stronger because it causes us to lift our eyes off of the circumstances and keep our eyes on god and when we're able to keep our eyes above the circumstances we can appropriate the joy that's ours in jesus christ because we have the holy spirit living inside of us the author and the source of joy we know that robe got uh, stolen. He was thrown in the pit. Promises of, author- of authority start as slavery. Joseph's next step he's sold as a slave in Genesis thirty-seven twenty-seven through twenty-eight. Sold. Can you imagine what he what he felt like? Here, you know, God had given this prophetic word. He was wearing his dad's coat. You know, he's just doing his dad's bidding. Go check on those guys and let me know if they're fooling around. They were. He reported. He's in trouble. He's hated. It's that whole thing about doing what's right. Lessons God's people learn that when you get a promise, you're going to have the contradictions. In Genesis 37, 36, so he's sold to Potiphar. He's down in Egypt. Nothing Coming against God's people, it says, no weapon formed against us can prosper, Isaiah fifty-four seventeen. I love it that as God gives promises all the way through the Bible, he gives us scriptures that help us when those promises are contradicted. And when we have to deal with feelings and emotions that back up the unbelief that tries to come over us and the doubt about what God has promised us. We know in all that uh, Joseph was alone because he was alone in that, in that place of slavery, being sold, and being in Potiphar's house. But it says that the Lord was with Joseph. And we know that as Christians, because we live the same life. We live alone when we compare to the natural world in our faith, and yet we know that God is constantly with us. Again, it doesn't matter what we feel like or what we think. Our holding on to the promises and the promiseur living inside of us is by faith and countering feelings, and emotions that try to cause us to doubt. In Genesis 37, 3, it says that Potiphar noticed and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, and he was successful in everything that he did. Joseph is successful, but the promise was still very far from him. You know, I think that's the grace of God too, sometimes to find us in the moment where we're at and to have a contentment, but for us to realize we're not to the promise yet. That we haven't attained to what God has promised us. And so, yeah, you can have some ease in where you're at, but you're not there yet. Don't settle. Joseph's falsely accused. Don't get upset. The promise is still ahead getting falsely accused. Again, things coming against that promise, just like Joseph went through in in, um, Genesis 39, 7-19. We understand that what Joseph went through, being falsely accused, again, he finds himself back in prison for the second time. Can you imagine how heavy duty that was for him to think like, man, I went all this way and now I'm back in jail again? So he has to start all over. He's still acting in faith. He's still putting his whole self into it. You know, sometimes the enemy tries to get us to look at where we're at today and we want to just go passive and not do anything. But the Lord tells us in his word to put anything we do, to put our hand to it with all of our might, put all of our intensity, all of our will, all of our joy, all of our effort into those things that we find ourselves in. Because in that, God begins to get glory out of it. And it helps us from just being in a place of passivity and confusion and doubt because we don't see what's happening. And that's the thing that Satan tries to get us. He tries to get us off course to just get us stopped, stop. Because when we're stopped, we're not moving forward. We're not seeing God do what he wants to do and preparing us for the promise. So Joseph is in prison again. Uh, Genesis 39, verse 20. And it says he remained there. Can I tell you the word remain is a hope killer? Remain. It's, again, that place of, I don't see uh, my, myself moving forward. I remember times when I tried to circumvent something because I got tired of where I was at in my job, and I made a move, and I made a move into a worse place. I was miserable for six months in the next apartment I was in. And, boy, again, I was trying to make something happen because I was remaining in a place where I didn't feel like anything was happening. We all have those situations and they're learning points to really help us get back on track with what God wants to do and wait and trust him. But the Lord is still with Joseph. Genesis 39, 21, but the Lord was with Joseph in prison, showed him his faithful love and the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Again, do you feel like frustrated in something about your job or where you're at? God wants to show his favor in you. But you've got to put on your Christ-loving attitude. And you've got to work like you're working for the Lord because God's got a plan for you. Here's our next one. These three words, quite some time. This is a story about the butcher and the baker who got thrown in there where Joseph started uh, interpreting their dreams. That, That saying, quite some time, is they were in there in the prison for a while, but Joseph was in there before they got thrown in there and a long time after he was still in there. They remained in prison for quite some time and the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph who looked after them. Sometime later, that speaks of the length of time and no good change is recognizable. The time of being remaining in frustration I, can't, I wish I could say it wasn't like this, but it's all part of what God's doing. He's doing a deep work of refining in us, but the promise is worth it. The promise is worth to hang in there no matter how long we wait and no matter how long it seems like things are just the same. Joseph interprets the dreams. It's time for Joseph's spiritual gifts. In Genesis 48, the baker and the butler tell Joseph their dreams. We both had dreams last night, but no one can tell us what they mean. Interpreting dreams is God's business, Joseph replied. Go ahead and tell me your dreams. Joe interrupted their dream, interpreted their dreams in Genesis forty, nineteen through thirteen. Joseph asked for help to get out of jail after he had revealed the promise to them. But you know what? The promise is still not ready yet. You know, ever think you're going to help God along a little bit? Oh, hey, you guys remember me. I just interpreted your dreams, you know. Go tell the Pharaoh that it was me. It was me that interpreted the dreams. Man. I'm here in prison. Verses 19 through 13. God's not moving. Maybe these guys can get me out. Have you ever tried to hurry a promise? I have. It don't work. Joseph is forgotten again. Genesis 40, 23. It says, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. What? The guy I just talked to? I got him out of here? And he didn't even give me another thought? Oh, man. Two more years in prison. Wait. Wait. Wait, 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 wait. We get tired of waiting, Lord. We get tired. Genesis 41.1, two full years later, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing on the bank of the river. Dreams. Fourteen years of time. Then all of a sudden, Joseph remembers that... I mean, the baker remembers, the butler remembers that Joseph has an ability from God to interpret dreams. It's promised time. Pharaoh calls Joseph from prison, Genesis 42:14. Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once, and he was quickly brought from the prison. Look at that. From wait to remain, quite some time, quickly brought from prison. After he had shaved and changed his clothes, he went in and stood before Pharaoh. I'm sure he was broken by everything he'd gone through. It says that in other scriptures that said, in Psalms it says that, that Joseph was tested, that the word that God had given to him, that promise that God had given him was tested. And only after Joseph was tested to see if he could keep and carry that word was Joseph recognized as someone who could carry a mantle to be one who could rule, that his brothers would have to bow down to. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream last night, and no one here can tell me what it means. But I have heard that when you hear about a dream, you can interpret it. It's interesting that Joseph had to be put in that place of imprisonment as a slave and as someone who God was on to be in that position to interpret to people who came into jail so that there was some credibility in his ability to interpret dreams. You know, sometimes God's going to put you in a place, and I can't tell you that it's going to be easy, but somehow there's going to be a work of God that goes in where you're in a slavery position or you're in a place of imprisonment or restriction. But God is doing a deep spiritual work that I can't even tell you what's going to be meaningful to you until you go through that. Then you're going to know. and Then quickly... It's going to happen. It is beyond my power, Joseph said, to do this. But God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. In Genesis 41, 38, So Pharaoh asked officials, Can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? there is something that happens too while you're going through your trials and you're waiting and you're working hard. A deep faith is going on inside. And you know, when when you go through dry things, you know, when when our environment is dry, when we go through dry seasons, our trees drive that taproot deeper down until they touch water. And it's this place of dryness while you're waiting for the promise and you feel so frustrated, your spirit goes deeper and deeper in its search and connecting with the water of the Spirit to give you that life that you need to carry on. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his hand and placed it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in fine linen clothing and hung a gold chain around his neck. Then he had Joseph ride in his chariot, reserved for his second in command. And wherever Joseph went, the command was shouted, kneel down. So Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of all of Egypt. It's interesting, the prophetic word that was that people were going to bow down before Joseph. I can imagine a great humility came over Joseph as the change happened and as the king did what he did or Pharaoh did what he did to him. Can you imagine? You know when you go through something and your soul that's been so discouraged and down and yet your spirit has persevered It's in that moment your soul rises to meet your spirit, and there's a faith that rises in your soul, in your natural emotions. And sometimes tears break and kind of give knowledge to that connection where your soul and your spirit are finally together. You're not just trying to drag your soul up to believe and have feelings of faith, but now you do have feelings of faith because your natural eyes see what the promise has been offered to you, has brought to you. It takes time for God's word of promise. Joseph, in, in, in Genesis 41-46, Joseph was 30 years old when he began serving in the, Pharaoh's, in the Pharaoh's court, the king of Egypt. And when Joseph left Pharaoh's presence, he inspected the entire land of Egypt. It took 13 years from the time Joseph was 17 years old and got that prophetic word till it was fulfilled.